0: Well, praise the Lord! Great to see you today. Miss being here last week. Last week, my wife and I got to be with our oldest daughter, Bethany. She had uh, an award at her college. Got to go to the president's house and hang out. Real, real proud of kids. And uh, but also this week, we uh, Linnell had her first chemo treatment. And I appreciate you praying for her. But it went good. She's on the front row here, and uh, went good. Side effects were kind of on the minimal side, so we appreciate that. But she's got about a year ahead of her, and she's in conquer mode. How many know you you live with what is, but you keep your faith fully on God? I'll tell you something I'm real proud of her uh, about. She'll talk about this next week, but she decided she'd do a a blog or a web page uh, dedicated to the victory over cancer to help people. She had over 400 hits in one day. Isn't that pretty powerful. But she's just kind of logging her journey, uh, uh, logging her journey about what's going on, what she's feeling, what she's happening to be able to help other people. I mean oh, that's Romans 8 28 in action. The Bible says, we know, not just we hope, but we know that, say it with me, all things work together for good to those that love the Lord called according to his purpose. It doesn't mean all things are good, but in the middle of things that are not good, how I many know God can turn it around for his glory? Come on, give him a big hand today, and we're gonna start today. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, if you'd go there in, in the scripture. I want to kick it off this morning, uh, my series again called Attention Getters, with a video clip from a movie, The Rookie. It's a classic, it's a true story, uh, a guy in West Texas, he was a chemistry teacher, but yet all his life he wanted to be a professional ball player, and uh, it's a little bit about his journey, but the, the clip starts off when he's at a kind of a, uh, a combine where they're looking for new talent, and uh, the scouts are taking a peek. So, so take a peek here at Attention Getters, and then we'll be in the Word of God together. Don't hurt yourself. Some heat out there. Oh, come on. You had him talking. You had him talking. Good job, man. That was just a- Kim. You're doing good, though, man. How fast were you soaring 15 years ago? Slow enough the scout stopped using the word fast. Kim, how fast were you so? I don't know. 85, 86? Why? You just threw 98 miles an hour. No. Dozen straight pitches, three radar guns, same thing on all of them. Nah, Dave, there's no way... I, I I've been there. a scout a long time. And rule number one is, armor slow down when they get old. Listen, Jim, I call the office and I tell them I got a guy here almost twice these kids' age, I'm gonna laughed at. But if I don't call in a 98-mile fastball, I'm gonna get fired. I'm just letting you know that there's a chance you might get a call on this. (laughs) Hmm. <laughs> Oh, if church is not good, the movie's good, though, huh? I know some of you are thinking about making your way out to the red box in just a minute or two. The doors will be locked for a while, so don't worry about that. That That's a joke, okay? But for you that are on the sharper end, you think you can just look at it on Netflix during the sermon. Here's the deal. If you're watching the movie during the sermon, your neighbor can have your phone, okay? So that's the deal if you see somebody watching the movie. Hey, isn't that every young man's dream? Come on, to be able to be a professional baseball player. Every guy's dream. And now how does a chemistry play? How does a chemistry teacher in West Texas, he's on the field, probably a hundred young people trying out to make their their dream a professional team. How in the world does he get from the chemistry classroom to a major league ball field? I'll tell you how. He got the attention of the scouts with a 98 mile, mile per hour fastball. Let me say it again. He got the attention of the scouts, and when he got their attention, it opened a door to do something he could never do on his own. Now, in the same way in this series, Attention Getters, how many know we can get God's attention and see God do great things in our own lives? Uh, sometimes Christians think that God using us or blessing us is, is like a lottery. You know, any meeny mighty mo you preach on Pentecost. Any meeny mighty mo you get on the Ark, Noah. Any meeny mighty mo, you'll escape from Sodom and Gomorrah a lot. How many know God doesn't do eeny, meeny, miny, mo? How many know there's other things that God sees that gets His attention? So this is what I want to help you with. We're profiling people in the Bible that got God's attention and either saw God bless them in a great way or saw God use them in a great way. Well, this last week, a couple weeks ago, we talked about Jabez. Jabez, of course, an Old Testament figure, but he lived the blessed life that everybody desires. But what he taught us is he dealt with pain differently from the rest of the world. Jabez's name meant pain, but rather than being anchored to his past, he believed that God would determine his future, come on, and not yesterday's pain. Hence, he got God's attention. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about a man named Cornelius. He's in the New Testament, and the word that I want you to think on today is the word significance. Every one of us in this room today wants our life to matter for something. When we've lived our life, we want it to count. We want something that the world is a better place because of us. And Cornelius will show us some things because he's a very unique individual. He's a Gentile, which means a non-Jew. And yet, when God decided that it was time to open the door to the world of salvation... The, the early church was a Jewish church, but then God opened it to the rest of the world, the Gentiles, through a second Pentecost. And the person he chose to do that through was this man named Cornelius. So literally you and I are sitting in church today, members of the body of Christ, save those that know Christ, we're here and God chose Cornelius as the first person to lead the way. Now the question we're going to answer this morning is why did that happen? How did he get God's attention And I've entitled the morning's message, A Godly, uh, Devout Man. A devout, God fearing man is what we're talking about. Acts chapter 10, let's begin this morning. Again, the sense of significance God chose Cornelius to open the door of salvation to billions of non Jewish people. Acts 10, verse 1 At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. Now, What that means, Caesarea, it was a a coastal town on the Mediterranean. It was the town that the Roman governor lived in. uh, uh, Cornelius was a soldier, a Roman soldier, a centurion, which means he commanded a hundred soldiers. He was like a captain, a lieutenant. He commanded a hundred soldiers, and this Italian cohort was a band of 600 soldiers. So here we've got lots of soldiers. He's right in the middle of them, but that was kind of like his formal job description or or, or what he was known at outwardly. But look at what God saw, verse 2. This was the key. He was a devout man who feared God. Can you say that with me? He was a Devout. devout man who feared God with all his household. So his religion was not private. His household was affected. And notice what he did. He gave alms generously to the people. And alms was a gift to the poor. It was something to help needy people. And then number four, he prayed continually to God. This is who he was and what he did. Well, verse 3, about the ninth hour of the day, that's three in the afternoon, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God. Now, a vision is like like a, a, a movie. It's like a picture of a spiritual reality superimposed on this natural world. Well, in the vision, verse 4, he said, What is it, Lord? And the angel said, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Which simply means God has been listening to your prayers. God has watched you as you have cared for poor and needy people. And verse 5, Now the angel said, Send men to Joppa and bring Simon, who's called Peter. Now, Peter was the leader of the Jewish church. Peter was one of the closest disciples of Jesus. He has a vision, and in Peter's vision, he sees Cornelius, and Cornelius' vision, he sees Peter. It's like God telling you, uh, I want you to go to Hope, and on uh, 304 Locust Street, you're going to find a man named Amos Adams, and uh, Amos Amos uh, will be there at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I want you to go talk to him and bring him home to your house. I mean, if you knocked on the door and tried to get Amos, he might pull Smith and Wethson and say, who are you? But in this case, it was all God. And the most incredible thing happened. Peter showed up at their house. Here's Cornelius, his family, his close friends, a room full of people. And, and Peter now is a Jew who at that particular time, they were not associating with Gentiles by their religious law. They were an exclusive uh, set-apart people. But lo and behold, God was about to break down this wall of partition. Peter begins to talk to the people about Christ. They all received Jesus as their Savior. And then something incredible happens. The Holy Spirit falls on them. And it's just like Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit comes. I mean, these people are filled with the Spirit. There's prophecy. They're speaking in unlearned languages. They're hearing them. Praise God. And all of a sudden, Peter says, wow, God has brought salvation even to the Gentiles. Today, there's 7 billion people on the planet that have the opportunity to follow Christ into eternity. And Cornelius was the one that God used. Now, why did he pick Cornelius? Verses 2 and 4 tell us very clearly. Number one, who he was, was a devout, God-fearing man. How many know we can be too? See, when I teach you the Bible, it's not just fact or ethereal uh, words or doctrine, but you can use this. You can put this into practice. A devout, God-fearing man who helped those that were in need and lived a life of prayer. And because of that, when God's prophetic clock ticked forward. You see, Cornelius, we have no indication that he was asking God to use him the way that he did. He was just living life, and all of a sudden, God said, I need somebody I can use in a big way. I'll pick him, because he got my attention. So, let's explore it together today, how he got God's attention. Now, let me ask you this question first. What are you doing with your life that will matter for eternity? That's a big question. We don't know how long we're going to live. I just assumed I was going to live to be 150 and Lonell would be uh, 151. No, you'd have to be 153. That way that you can take care of me when I get older. But anyway, as she began to go through this journey she's been on lately, life <laughs> confronts you. And you start to ask questions like, what am I doing with my life that is going to matter for all eternity? Well, let me show you something kind of comical, some people, some winners of the uh, Guinness World, Be- uh, Guinness World uh, Record Awards. Take a peek here. I've got a couple pictures. Okay, this guys in the Genesis Book of World Records. Now, wait just a second now. Anybody that can pick up 27 pounds with their tongue, come on. Okay, could be your children up there. Okay, just be patient. Be, hang on here. Now, that just looks to me like it kind of hurts. And I don't know how you do tongue exercises so you don't, you don't, you don't tear your tongue. But, but the world remembers 27 pounds. Let's look at another one. It's Pastor Mike's brother. Uh, I think the steroids have affected his eyesight as well. Now, that's 25 inches around those muscles there. Come on, guys. Ladies, reach over and say, you're not quite there, baby. Almost, but not quite. 25 inches. Now look, some of you go to the gym and take everything under the sun. better be careful about that. That's what could happen to you. All right, let's look at a third one. Okay. Anybody know who that is? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. I I, I can tell what planet y'all live on. Uh, That's the largest gathering of Smurfs in the world, according to Genesis. 2,510 little Smurfies. Well, and that guy looks real excited right there. See that young man? He's excited to be a Smurf. So, now that's kind of funny, but I want you to think about this. Is that all there is to life? Is that level of life all there is? Let's get uh, one one step more serious. How about if you won an Olympic gold medal? Now, that's admirable. How about if you uh, were the most valuable player in the Super Bowl and got the ring? How many remember uh, who won the Super Bowl just a couple months ago? Let me see your hand. Who won the Super Bowl? Let me see your hand. It was the most uh, 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 viewed event, history of the world. How many remember who the, most, who the MVP was? Let me see your hand. Wave it real high at me. MVP. Keep your hands up. How many remember the MVP five years ago? Five years. Okay. Four years ago? The most valuable player in the, in the biggest game in the history of the world for you? And nobody remembers. Three years ago? You remember? No. Is there something more than that? Would you like to be remembered as the, as the richest woman in the world? Richest man? Come on now, get real. Yeah, I wish my wife was the richest woman in the world. I thought she was when I married her, but then I found out that uh, she she, she what. She's a fine lady, but uh, anyway, her dad kept her money for himself. I mean, no, don't marry for money, you may not get it. (laughs) Now, all of those things are good. How many know making money is good? Winning ball games are good. Being an Olympic star, oh, that's good. But I don't know that that will last for eternity. Would you like to be remembered as the person that started a revival at your school? That changed your school forever? Would you like to be remembered as the parent, come on, too old for school, but yet went on that campus every day for two years, an hour before school, parked in the parking lot and prayed for God to visit the campus, and God did. Would you like to be remembered as the person who bought the next Mother Teresa the ticket, come on, to help the poor in India? Would you like to be remembered as the person who led the next Billy Graham to Christ? Would you like to be remembered as the person who built a Bible school and funded it for Haitian pastors? See, these now these things of remembrance have eternal significance to them and these are things that I want to be a part of listen I want to have fun in life I wanna you know hunt and fish and all those things and have a good time and win trophies but I don't wanna live my life for the trophy there's something more to life and it's found in significance it's what we do for the kingdom of God but here's the deal just because you wanna do something of significance for the kingdom of God that it's gonna happen how many know you've got to get God's attention so let's explore what Cornelius did and how it might affect us as well. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. Cornelius, the first thing we'll learn about him, and we're going to learn five this morning. But first, there, he was a devout man who feared God. Now, a devout man who feared God, that's who he was. Let me know what he did was he helped the poor, uh, and, and he, was, he was continually prayed. But let me know what we do is determined by who we are. So if I can work on who I am, who God wants me to be, He may do some great things to me. Now, this word devout, it means devoted to God. It means committed 100% to live for God. Now, let me kind of illustrate this for you. 4.30 in the morning. How many know if you're doing anything other than sleeping at 4.30 in the morning, you're devoted? (laughs) Harken back with me. Last year, it's Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. 4.30 in the morning, I am not going to the mall, I'm going duck hunting. Something admirable, rather than the materialistic shoppers at 4.30 in the morning, okay? Just kidding. So anyway, so I'm going down the road at 4.30 in the morning, and I go up King's Highway, and there, anytime fitness is, do you realize there are some hedonistic people at 4.30 in the morning trying to do exercise at 4.30 in the morning? They are devoted to lifting weights. No, you know, I'm just teasing. But then I went uh, uh, on the, on, down the interstate, and there's Best Buy. 4.30 in the morning, and people lined up out there. How many were out there? Let me see your hands here. 4.30 in the morning at Best Buy. Okay, Walmart shoppers, 4.30, anyone? Okay, a few. I'm glad my wife was out there shopping, saving me a little money. But listen, that's devotion. Let me read you something else that was going on at that time in the morning. I've been dialoguing with a, 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 a person who used to be a church member, but had moved back to Dallas, K-Towns. She's asking on Facebook. She texted me a couple days ago, and she said, Hey, could I come to the, the church when nobody's there and just get there real dark and walk around the church property and pray a blessing and protection on it? Well, of course, I said, yeah. And the next day, she sends me this prayer, and I, she said, Can I pray for you? And I said, Well, absolutely. Well, and then she writes this prayer. And listen to this. Oh, mighty, mighty God, how marvelous and majestic you are. I stand amazed, awestruck, and full of wonder in your presence. Father, because your glory surpasses any human's ability to accurately describe you. You blow my mind, Father. I love you so much. All I want to do is worship you, sing to you, honor you, and glorify your name in all I do. This morning, Father, I... I come before you in the name of Jesus Christ. And then she begins to pray for Linnell and I. Guess what time she sent that? 4.31 in the morning. Now, can I tell you, that's a devoted gal in the place of prayer. Now, I want to challenge you. Listen, uh, duck hunt, turkey hunt, whatever you want to do. Shop, go to the gym. But make sure that you're devoted to God. Come on, make sure the most important thing in your life is that God is first and foremost in everything I do. My life revolves around Him. Be devoted to serving Him. Be devoted, like Pastor Travis said, honoring Him with your first fruits and your giving with your tithe. Be sure that you're honoring God with your time. Be sure that you're serving God. Be sure that you're a person of prayer, because how many know that will last for eternity? See, so this first aspect of, of his success was he was devoted to God. But, now listen, being devoted to God not only implies following God's commandments, but it also implies pulling away from the things of the world. How I many know you can't be devoted to the world on one hand and God on the other? And when I'm talking about the world, I'm talking about the corrupt evil part of our society. Now listen, for, to become a Christian, it's like if you can imagine a boat dock. And Jesus takes the boat, and he pulls it next to the dock and says, get on board. So you're here on the dock, and you put one foot on the boat. And then Jesus unties the cord, and he starts to move the boat away, come on, from the dock. And now you've got one foot in the old world, your old life you used to live, and Jesus is trying to pull you this way. I can make it. Be patient. Pray for me. But, but it's like, if you're not careful, you know how much farther? And I don't do cheerleader stuff, so I can't go anymore. But at some point, you either got to get on the dock or you've got to get on the boat. Now, the world wants to pull you into it. The world in its old ways. Listen to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7. It's a powerful scripture about Lot. Uh, The Scripture says God rescued Lot out of Sodom because... Now listen, here's a guy, the destruction because of the immorality in Sodom and Gomorrah. God rescued him because he was a, a righteous man who was, listen to this, sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. He was sick of it. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was what? tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day so I ask you this question do the things of the world torment you do the things when you hear things and see things that you know God despises how does it affect you I was working in the yard kind of a therapy day off a, a week or so ago and and I had my earphones on listening to talk radio and it was a commercial advertising a TV show I don't even know what the show was but here's how they advertised it someone had died and, and, and this young kid, I'm guessing about 10, went in the funeral home and he said this, Hey, where's the dead guy? And then an adult said, show some respect. He said, hey, where's the dead guy, sir? And then one of the other actors, an adult, somebody asked him, say, Hey, the guy just died. Why are you hitting on his wife? He said, I'm not hitting on her. I'm consoling her. After they shut the box, I'll hit on her. Now I suggest to you that what the world calls entertainment God says is wicked and corrupt but sometimes we can allow ourselves to be so influenced by that come on laughing at the jokes you know a lot of the laughter on sitcoms is not real people laughing it's plugged in laughter in case you didn't know that but they teach us things that are funny that are really not funny come on and I don't know about you but in my devotion to God I want I want to be sickened like Lot was come on, at the things of the world. I want to love the people who are caught up in it. I don't want to ever be self-righteous. I want to love them, and I want to throw them a rescue line. Come on, just like God rescued me, I want to rescue them from the corruptness that's in the world. But the first thing about Cornelius, devoted to God. Now, here's another one. Cornelius feared God. He was devoted, God-fearing man. Now, what does that mean, the fear of God? The fear of God is something you don't hear much about in a modern church today. You don't hear about three things. You hear very little about hell, eternal judgment. You hear very little about sin because in America today, it's politically incorrect to talk about sin. Because after all, in America, everybody gets to decide what's right and wrong on their own. Because we don't have God's commandments on the walls of the schools. We don't want those reminders because if we want to do it, we just don't want to have any guilt over it. So you don't hear much about sin. But you also hear very little about the fear of God. You see, how many know that God, like a coin, heads and tails, there's the love of God, John three sixteen, but then there's the justice of God. God is a loving God, but He's a just God. And you can no more have a true depiction of God that's all love and try to cut out the fact that we will all one day stand before Him on Judgment Day any more than you can cash a, 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 a coin that has heads on both sides. But the fear of God, by definition, is, listen to this, it is the respect and obedience we have for a holy God. Let me say it again. The respect and obedience we have for a holy God because He will hold us accountable for our actions. Now, here's the dilemma. In our minds, we have a sense about what's right and wrong, but oftentimes we ignore it. When you ride down the interstate now, they have these huge electronic signs, and they'll say things like, Don't drink and drive. Uh, Maybe you've heard slogans like this. Drive hammered, get slammered. Let me say it again because that was kind of funny. It was true. Drive hammered, get slammered. Drive hammered and you'll get nailed. I'll give you a minute on that one. Drive hammered and you'll get nailed or you'll get arrested by the policeman. Now, every person that drinks knows that. But it's almost like that's going to happen to somebody else and not me. my mother's here. Mom, would you put your fingers in your ears just a second? When I was a teenager, there was a time or two that I drove home late at night and she's thinking every night, but, but no, your fingers. And I would come across this river bottom from Coldwater to Hernando. I'm sure you know where those towns are. And the problem is on the bottom side of where Hernando was, was the hill. The police would set up these little, you know, check you out spots. And my big hope and prayer driving home was that there'd be no blue lights at the end of the road. See, I'd been out witnessing all night and sharing my faith with people in Coldwater and Sinatopia. Now, Come on now, don't get self-righteous on me. Let me step it up a notch. I never did this. How about if you're selling drugs? And you're driving down the road and you know that you have enough pot or crack or meth or whatever it is. You've got enough in there that if they catch you. You're going away for a long time. And you look in your rearview mirror and you're just kind of going down the road, you know, just being cool because you'll never get caught. And all of a sudden, you see a police car. You put the other hand right up here. And then imagine the feeling what's going through your mind when that blue light comes on and the officer comes up to the window and, and you say, Yeah, 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 yeah. What can I do for you, sir? let me see your license. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yes, sir, yes, sir. It's, uh, it, it's, it's in here with the, uh, with the drugs. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, I mean it's, in here. it's in here with the registration. Out of the car, please. Put your hands against the car. You know you're in big trouble. Here's why. It's because civil authority has the power to bring consequences in your life, come on, that you don't want. And in the same way, God has the authority, and one day, come on, the great God who loves us will also call us to give an account for our life. Let me read you this scripture. It's in the Old Testament, but it's powerful. Ecclesiastes 12:13. Solomon concludes his whole uh, uh, view of life. Now let me suggest this to you. If you're an agnostic, if you're an atheist, if you're just someone who's really not serious about God, read the book of Ecclesiastes. Smart man, rich man had everything under the sun. He had money, he had wealth, he built things, he had multiple relationships, he had anything that he wanted, and here how he, he closed his philosophy of life Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. Why? For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. That's a scripture to take to heart. Come on. We know Cornelius did. We should too. Give the Lord a good hand today. Now, let's kind of wrap this up in the last 10 minutes. Now, who Cornelius was was a devoted, God-fearing man. What he did was someone who cared for the needy and prayed continually. Acts 10, again, verse 1 and 2. Cornelius gave alms generously to the people, and he prayed continually to God. Again, alms were gifts to the poor and, and, and needy. Now, let me say this. Matthew 25, God notices those who take care of the poor and needy. I want you to hear me on this one. If you've kind of turned me off so far, turn, turn me on on this one. But I want to tell you, if you want to get God's attention, you take care of poor and needy people. See, and you don't have to go all the way across the world for this to happen. First service, I met a guy. Uh, he's, a, he's my brother. I didn't know it. He's a Christian. He, he was, went to yesterday to church under the bridge in Texarkana. I didn't know we had a church under the bridge. He said he was down there. Some of members of our church, some friends were down there ministering. He recommitted his life to Christ. Can I tell you, that was something that was important and special to God. Here's why. Matthew 25, verse 34. Jesus now, again, this is Judgment Day. And Jesus now paints this portrait. He's separated the billions of people in humanity in in two groups. And verse 34, the King Jesus will say to those on His right hand, Come and inherit the kingdom prepared for you. Jesus Christ says, I was hungry and you... Yeah, I was thirsty and you... I'm talking, you don't have to go to seminary to give a thirsty person a drink of water. I was a stranger, you invited me to your home. I was naked, you gave me clothes, sick, and you what? Cared. Cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then the righteous one, scratching their heads, will reply, Lord, did we, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And then Jesus Christ says these words, Whatever you did to the least of these brothers of mine, come on, you did it to me. And I'm telling you, that gets God's attention when you care for people that are in need. I don't care if it's the need of, a per, of, of kids that have just gone through a divorce. Come on. I don't care if it's the needs of a young girl trying to decide if she should have an abortion or not, or after she's had it still needing somebody to help her with the guilt and the shame that she has. Come on. I don't care if it's someone dying with AIDS. Listen, we live in a world today that is so confused. We should be the most compassionate group of people on the planet. We should never look down our noses. Come on, at somebody else because of what the outcome of their life has produced. We should be people of compassion and people of generosity and people who care. Come on, because were it not for the grace of God, we'd be in the same ditch as they are. Amen. Helping people in need, it gets God's attention. Jesus said in James 1.27, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means this, caring for what? Orphans and widows in their need. So whatever it is, any way you can help people, these little cans for Haiti, where we just send down nickels and dimes, which probably amounts to about 800, 1,000 every other month, feeding kids, I don't care what it is, when you help folks, God cares. Come on, give him a a good hand this morning. Let me give you this fourth point. God notices those who pray to God continually. Remember Cornelius? He was a devout, God-fearing man who gave alms or cared for the poor, but he prayed continually. Now listen, this doesn't mean that you move to a monastery as a Christian. This doesn't mean that you quit your job. He was a soldier. But what it means is it's talking about a lifestyle lived depending on God all day long. See, prayer is not just offered in times of crisis. Prayer is not just offered in times of great need. But prayer is intended to be communion in relationship with your heavenly Father. I, I, maybe Cornelius prayed something like this. Now mind you, he's watching a hundred soldiers. He's the boss. Maybe as soon as he woke up in the morning, the first thing he said was, Lord, thanks for helping me get up today. He's putting an old sandals on, and he said, Lord, it, it may not be a designer sandal, but Lord, I want to thank you that I'm not barefoot today. And as I go about my day today, I want to ask you to give me wisdom to lead these hundred men. I want to ask you to protect us from evil. Don't let any of us get hurt or killed today. Would you help us to avoid injustice today? And would you let us live a life that pleases you? Now, throughout the day, maybe he sees a soldier that just yesterday he'd gotten on a little too harshly. Come on, he had a bad day, and he got angry and upset, and he, he blew his top, and the poor soldier just said, yes, sir, yes, yes, sir. And the next day, he pulls him aside and said, look, I, I, I need to apologize to you. Yesterday, what you did was wrong, but the way I came across was worse, and uh, I want to ask you to forgive me. And the soldier goes, huh? You see, because God is communicating, and we're saying yes in the place of prayer maybe Cornelius gets himself in a spot he didn't know what to do soldiers now they had to crucify criminals and they may not have believed the guy was guilty Lord I don't know what I'm gonna do this afternoon but I'm gonna have to go in a court case and come on the governor's gonna be there would you please let your presence be in that room maybe this is what it means to pray continually and maybe that's why he got God's attention praise the Lord let me give you one more and we're gonna wrap up today Acts chapter 10 and I'll say it this way. Cornelius was an example people could follow. Now, Acts ten twenty two. back to our text. You remember, in the vision, the angel told Peter about Cornelius and Cornelius about Peter. Well, now Cornelius's couple of his buddies have gone to get Simon Peter. And for the first time, Peter sees these guys. And notice what he says. Verse 22, they said, Cornelius, a centurion, Roman soldiers, overseeing 100, he's an upright and God-fearing man. And listen to this. He is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation. Well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation. He was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear what you have to say. Now, this last phrase, this guy has a good reputation with lots and lots of people, and that's. And then the angel comes. Could it just be possible this fifth reason that God visited Cornelius in such a great way was because he was living a life, of his religious life was not private. Come on. But it was public. It doesn't mean he was trying to draw attention to himself. It just simply means, as he lived the life, his light was shining. And this is my encouragement to you that are here today. Let your light shine as a Christian. Come on. Let the world see. Don't just be a Christian on Sunday morning, and then when you go out in the workplace tomorrow, you put a basket over it like Jesus said. Jesus said, let your light shine so the whole world can see. The whole world. Because your life is a living testimony. And you know what people desperately need in America today? They don't just need to hear the preacher talk about it. Come on. They need to see somebody live it. See, Lanelle and I do not like what she's going through right now. But you know what? People are watching her life. And I'm preaching a different sermon that doesn't come just from a book. Are you with me today? But it's the way that we live our lives that brings glory to Christ. And maybe, just maybe, That's why God used Cornelius. See, this is something you can put into practice. It's the gospel in shoe leather. You want your life to count? See, Cornelius was not looking for God to do something. There's no indication. He was just simply living life. And all of a sudden, the need was there. And God said, hmm, who can I pick to be the forefront of billions of people that come into the kingdom of God? Who can I give that privilege to? Cornelius. Devout. God-fearing. Cared for people prayed continually and his light was shining for the whole world to see How we know if he can do it, we can as well. Give the Lord a good hand this morning. Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand to your feet and we're gonna we're gonna sing a chorus through a time or two and just trust that God would minister to you too as, as we do it. Now let me tell you, before you turn off in lunch mode I want you to kind of between you and God now ask this question Lord what are you saying to me today? I came, Lord, as a devout Christian to clear church. But now what are you saying to me? How I need to apply this? Let's begin to sing it and you might just close your eyes in a prayerful way and just listen to God. The I'm Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I give you my heart I give you my soul I live. Your heart to heaven. I give you you my my life today. Surrender your life. Your uplifted hands are saying, Lord, I want you to be first. You You are my Father in heaven. You say, and I open I'm your child. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Lord, I. can't think of a better prayer, Lord, to offer to you this morning than that song, Have Your Way in Me. Lord, every one of us in here long for our life to make a difference, not with picking up something by your tongue or something stupid or how big my arms can get, not even with a Super Bowl win or a ring, but, Lord, a difference in the eternal souls of men the kingdom of God. So, Lord, as best we know how this morning, we're offering ourselves to you. and We're asking you to, Lord, use us. I'm asking Holy Spirit for in any way where you're kind of nudging us this morning that we'd say yes. Now let me tell you we're going to close. We're going to sing this one last time. But I'm going to make an opportunity for, for prayer for you. See, the Bible tells us not to be a hearer of the word, but to be a doer. And if there's something in particular that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you about and, and you just feel a need to kind of seal the deal with God, I'm going to encourage you to do that in prayer. Maybe the Holy Spirit was kind of nudging you and we were talking about being devoted. i got to be honest with you, it's easier for me to get up and go turkey hunting at 4.30, come on, than it is to go to the prayer room at 4.30. Maybe God's kind of nudged you in some way about your personal devotion to Christ. Maybe it's when we were talking about the world and the pull of the world on our life. Maybe the Holy Spirit showed you that you're kind of on that pier and it's time for you to let go of some things to change some relationships. Maybe you don't do much in your life to help the poor and needy. Maybe you're busy. Maybe you're like me. You're selfish. But yet you kind of, you want to say, Lord, help me in this. Maybe your prayer life is not where it needs to be. Maybe you're not living a life of example. I don't know what it is, but I can tell you this. If you move your pride aside and you come to someone and say, I want you to pray for me because I'm I'm believing God wants me to do this in my life. I'm telling you, friends, the sky can be the limit. Because how many know if you're going to be like Cornelius, it all starts in our heart devoted, God-fearing people. I'll I'll make this last opportunity before we pray as well. Maybe you're here this morning and the greatest need of your life is to get right with God. I fully understand that. I'm grateful my mom brought me to church when I was a young boy, but my commitment to Christ, my religion was in my head, not in my heart. And I came to a turning point in my life where I realized what Christ was asking of me is not just hold a Bible, go to church, and give a dollar, but He was wanting me to surrender my life to Him. He was wanting me to give control of my life to Him and to begin to follow Him. Because, you see, only Jesus Christ offers this good news. He recognized that we are in a condition as human beings where sin has separated us from God. Every one of us are getting a day closer to our death. Every one of us a day closer to Judgment Day. How many know we need a Savior because of the consequences of sin? It's Jesus. And that's why He came to this earth to live a perfect life, to die in our place, to be judged for us so we wouldn't have to. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was buried, literally dead. But then the wonderful thing is, after a couple of days, He came back to life. And He rose from the dead, the only one in human history. Today, He's at the right hand of God, and He's coming back one day. Friends, if you're not sure that He'll come for you, you can seal that with God today. If you're here today, and you want to surrender your life to Christ, let it be today. Whether it's for the first time, or whether you've just gotten off track, and you want to come back to God. Let it be now. Just begin to sing, Pastor Nick. We'll sing it through one time and dismiss. But our prayer team is coming right now. And if you need prayer for any of these things, you just slip out right with them. Come on, guys. Come up for the prayer team. Last prayer call. And as you want prayer for anything, you have the courage to slip out. And I believe with you, God will do something big in your life. I love you very much. Thanks for coming. You bring a friend. Don't forget Daylight Savings Time next week.